Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, business is more than just profits. We all know that, especially if you've been in business for a long time. It's about the people and the impact we create around our teams, clients, and communities. My guest today knows all about having a big impact as his company's mission is to shine a light on homelessness, all while growing a company by 50% during the pandemic. That's outstanding. David Heath is a co-founder and CEO of Bombas, a $170 million direct-to-consumer sock seller founded on the philosophy of donating to those in need. He is a serial entrepreneur who has founded three companies with one successful exit and has invested and consulted on several startups from concept through launch and continued growth. David, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Uh, thanks for having me, Jeff. I really appreciate it. You know, David, I usually start, you know, with yes, yes, yes. I like yes, but you've used the word no. I read an article that your key to early success was saying no. What or who did you say no to? Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give to entrepreneurs and, and one that was given to me and, and one that we still to this day, uh, you know, execute on, uh, which is this idea of focus. Um, yeah. You know, we've built uh, a small correction in your intro. We've built a quarter billion dollar, uh, you know, ah, better. business. There you um, go, brother. <laughs> you got you got Hey, you listen, know, when you got to count those. That's how we keep score. You got to count <laughs> those. That's how we keep it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and still 98% of our business today is in socks and 98% of our business is direct to consumer through our website. Uh, and here we are seven years later, a uh, quarter billion dollars of revenue. Um, and, and so much, I think of that success is that we focused on one category in one channel of distribution. And over the years, you know, when we, uh, when we started to see some early success, we were internally, uh, tempted with, you know, launching new products faster or, you know, launching into new stores quicker um, or trying to take our products international because someone from, you know, the UK emailed us and said, oh, I love your product. You should sell it over here. Right. And so, you know, I, I talked to so many entrepreneurs over the years and, you know, people who are really early on in their business, you know, maybe a few hundred thousand dollars in sales, um, you're saying, oh my God, uh, Target called me, or I've got an opportunity to be on, you know, QVC or, you know, a distributor in, in China called me, you know, it's like, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa like slow down. Like you, yeah. you still have so much opportunity to do the thing that you're good at or that you can remain focused on right in front of you. So those were a bunch of things that we've kind of said no to over the years. And I think we're direct contributors to our success today. I like that focus. And, 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 and that is a big thing. I call it the squirrel syndrome, whereas entrepreneurs we squirrel, squirrel, we're running around yeah. because we see someone successful with something or we get, or get something. And rather it's just, you know, just sell one pair of socks, just sell one thing, then, then add a zero to it then add another zero. And, it, and let's keep it very simple. This is what we do and how we do it. Yeah. How, how did you get started? What's your origin story? 
Yeah, so uh, it may come as a surprise, but uh, I didn't grow up dreaming of building a sock empire. Uh, Get I don't out. Think Seriously? A lot you didn't of like wake up? <laughs> <laughs> Put on a pair of socks uh, and go, holy crap. Uh, this would be a good here. Um, no. So, you know, I think my journey, I think is, is, is similar to a lot of entrepreneurs. You know, I, uh, I, I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to run my own company. Um, I was lucky that my dad, uh, I, I had my dad as a, as a, as a great example of somebody who, you know, quit, uh, working at a service station, uh, took $3,000 of his own money, started, you know, a business in the basement of our, of our house, uh, and built it into a multi-million dollar business over 35 years. Um, and, and was able to afford me many of the luxuries that he never had. Uh, and so I think I was so inspired by that, that from a really early age, you know, I was, you know, that kid in the neighborhood who was, you know, cleaning gutters, selling lemonade, washing cars, walking dogs, whatever I could do to hustle to get a buck. And so I went to school for entrepreneurship at Babson. Um, and when I came out, I, I, you know, had my eyes open ears to the ground. And I started to develop this muscle uh, that I think is really important for any entrepreneur to develop, which is, you know, to walk around the world. And anytime you experience either frustration or uh, something that just doesn't quite make sense to you that you say, huh, like, is there a way that I can solve this? Right? Is there a way I can fix this using business? Um, and, you know, for the eight years that I was out of college, I kind of did that. And I think I wrote 45 business plans. Um, I'd launched, you know, two companies, um, none to the success that I've experienced with Bombas, but, you know, everything was kind of a, a, a stepping stone in my journey. And, you know, I think it's, it's like meeting your spouse, right? They always say you're going to meet them in the least likely, uh, you know, place or when you least expect it. I was scrolling Facebook one day uh, while I was at work. And I came across this post on my feed that said, you know, socks are the most requested clothing item at homeless shelters. And I remember sitting there and thinking, huh, I didn't know that. And, and that's pretty sad that there's an item of clothing. You know, I would have thought it was coats or jeans or sneakers or, or something. Shoes, yeah, or shoes, shoes. I, yeah. Um, and, you know, here's an item of clothing that I've never spent more than a few seconds a day thinking about. And it's now perceived as a luxury item for over 600,000 people living right here in the U.S. And I just couldn't shake it. And so this was early 2011. And this is kind of a stars align moment. Um, you know, Tom Shoes and Blake Mankowski with the pioneering of, of the one for one movement was in their fifth year of business, I think doing a few hundred million dollars in revenue, growing quite rapidly and really, you know, pioneered this movement that, you know, Warby Parker followed and, and a bunch of other people, you know, I, that are no longer around. Um, and I was like, huh, maybe this is a way to solve this sock problem, right? Is, is donate a pair for every pair that we, we sell. And admittedly didn't think that, you know, this was going to be my legacy. Um, mm -hmm. so, but, you know, I think like any interesting idea, you know, I took that thread and I pulled on it and, and I started to, you know, look at the marketplace and see where the opportunity was. Um, and here we are seven and a half years later, we've donated over 50 million pairs of socks. Um, and, uh, you know, we continue to have impact and continue to grow. Is it hard giving them away? Meaning not at all. People? Yeah, see, that's no, the issue, isn't it? All. Right? Yeah, is, there have... a 
we have 3,500 giving partners that we have direct relationships with throughout the entire country, uh, represented in all 50 states. Um, and we're actually, we were supposed to do it last year, but obviously got derailed due to COVID. Um, we are going to work with, um, you know, uh, either uh, UPenn or, um, or Harvard to run our own independent study of finding out exactly how many homeless shelters there are in the United States uh, and what is the demand by category. Because, uh, mm. you know, we're, we're no longer producing socks. We're producing underwear, which underwear is the second most requested clothing item in homeless shelters. T-shirts is the third. But we don't really have a sense of by, by what volume, right? Is 50 million, 100 million, 500 million? What, like, we want something there where we can start to measure our impact and say, okay, we're delivering... 50% or 10% or hundred, like we want to know where we stand in that paradigm, um, you know, so that we can then start to, as we grow our business, figure out what's the fourth most, fifth most, seventh most, twelfth right. most, and start to build out a strategy around our giving. Which, which makes a lot of sense in terms of that you, instead of having a food bank, you've got a sock bank. Is that I mean, yeah. what, what a you, clothing bank? I mean, now yeah. I mean we're yeah. we're really focused on on uh, delivering the top three most requested clothing items. And what's interesting is funny how strategy works out because you know we had you know thought okay, Bombas when we talk to our customers, we're really known for comfort, so that gives us liberty to do things like sweatpants and sweatshirts and you know comfy footwear or blankets mm -hmm. or towel. Like we could go in so many different directions. A lot of brand extensions for you in terms of Tons. the product, yeah. but you know, when we go back to that initial statement around focus, right? Like what, what are we going to do today? And, you know, we said, okay, there are, you know, many multi-billion dollar companies like Hanes and Fruit of the Loom and Jockey, you know, that uh, just focus on innerwear and basics like socks, tees and underwear. Um, and admittedly, I feel like those brands are no longer as relevant as they used to be. Um, and so we see ourselves as kind of being the Starbucks of the basics innerwear, you know, category, you know, so Starbucks is to Maxwell house. We are to, you know, Hanes. Yes. It costs two to three times more per product, but the, the product and experience are incredibly uh, are so much better than what you would experience with one of those other brands. And so it's interesting how, that our core strategy internally around our focus as to what we were going to deliver to the customer uh, aligned perfectly with the items that are in most need at homeless shelters. And so, you know, these are the three items that we all wear closest to our body every single day. They're the three items that the homeless community wear closest to their body every single day. Um, and so that's going to be our focus for the next few years. C-Suite Radio. So a lot of people, David, when they get to be an entrepreneur, they're looking for that inroad, the exit, you know, something that they're going to be able to say and point to and say, that's what we're striving to. I can imagine with 250 million in sales, you got a lot of people probably picking up the phone and calling you. All right. That's one. You And, and I sit here and recently had the, the CEO of uh, Ben and Jerry's on. Now, here was somebody that, you know, a very big company striving for good, kind of Vermontish, very quickish, very, you know, I won't say totally. you're the same. We love, you know, guys, no, no, we love Ben and Jerry's. We talk yeah, about them yeah. a lot internally. And, and yet they sold to Unilever. Yeah. And one of the biggest companies in the world. And they're a division of Unilever. Yeah. They've been able to keep their independence. Do you ever think about what's going to happen to you? What, where are you going to go with that? Yeah. I mean, 
I'm the CEO of the company, so it's it's what I spend a lot of my right, time yeah. thinking on about these well, days. But, but at the um, same time, you got this mission, and it's totally. it's hard to separate yourself from that mission of like- We would what, never what, separate ourselves from that yeah. mission. I mean, that you know, it, it is so core to our DNA and what we do um, that- you know, and, and I think, look, people that we've talked to, whether it's, you know, people in the capital markets, whether it's potential acquirers, uh, they get it, right? Like, the, 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 no one's looking to like, oh, wait, I can take 10% of the, you know, margin back by not donating product. Like, the whole business falls apart at that point, right? Yeah. Our customers are so incredibly loyal to us. And I think we've been able to cut through the noise in this space because of our mission. It's such a differentiator and nobody else does it. Um, and in a weird way, you know, Tom's over the years has kind of faltered a little bit and, and, you know, mm -hmm. they, they declared bankruptcy. And, and so, you know, and Warby had moved away from, they still do it, but they've kind of focused on being a fashion technology play. And so it's really left us to be the torchbearers of kind of the the, you know, the big profitable growing give back business model. Um, and so, you know, we're exploring a lot of options, whether that's going public, whether it's getting acquired, but, you know, I think everything that we do, you know, it, you know, we're a B Corp as well. Right. So like in our oh, bylaws, we are, there. You know, yeah, it's a we, part we of have, have, it's yeah. so ingrained in what we do. There's no way you could ever rip it out. I mean, it's it's amazing that you, it, I, you know, I, one, I get the sense of this, and which is interesting that this is really where you began. Like, cause a lot of people would have started with this as a kind of a marketing ploy as opposed to, you know, a real belief in it. And you've been able to mesh the both of them, which I think is good, but it's core to who you are. It. Let me get, I'm going to ask you to tell me the story about the greatest sock ever sold, you know, and what the purpose to me, that's like, that to me is audacity of just saying it and then going for it and walking with some swagger. And then now you got to, you know, you're out there. So tell me about what was the purpose behind that? Well, so the campaign was actually the greatest sock never sold. Ah, never sold. It was. It yeah. does say never. I'm yeah. sorry. I, no, no, I have, no, I have verbal dyslexia. So <laughs> it's also the nuance, right? Because yeah. why would you? Why would you go out with a marketing campaign and spend money talking about a sock that you don't sell, right? right. And so the we ha we had this in idea internally, you know, every uh, every time we hit a new milestone. So uh, originally we said, okay, uh, and and I. I somewhat regret this decision, but here I am seven years later. But on our before we'd even launched the company, uh, I remember sitting across the, the the table from Randy, who was one of my co-founders, and I said, you know, you know, as entrepreneurs, we put big, hairy, audacious goals out there, right? And I said, you know what? If we ever donate a million pairs of socks, I will tattoo the Bombas logo on me uh, as a way to celebrate. And at that where's time, it tattooed? Where's it tattooed? I, I want to know. Oh, right there. there. Oh, come so on. I would. I would. That's time, cool. I didn't have yeah. any tattoos, and here I am, seven years later. I got the. I got the bug, and I've got ten or eleven or something like that. Um, it is a slippery <laughs> slope once you get one. Um, but so I had none, and so that was like a big deal. And I kind of like set it as a lark, not thinking a million yeah. pairs. We didn't even sold one. So like, yeah. I would thought this was going to be, you know, people would forget about it. We did it in two years. We donated our millionth pair of socks in two years, and then we're like, okay, well, let's focus on five million. And so 
you know, when we did a million, we put out this video campaign celebrating our millionth pair and we videotaped me getting the tattoo and it became this viral video, which I think has over 150 million views collectively online um, and was a big turning point as a campaign for us. So then we did 5 million pairs and, um, and then for 10 million, we're like, okay, we can't keep telling the same story of a million, 5 million. So for 10 million, we're like, okay, what if we talk about our donation sock, right? Our donation sock is a product that we specifically designed for the homeless community. At first, we were just donating the same socks we were selling, same exact sock we would sell to the customer, we would donate to the homeless community because my belief in, in kind of staying close to my values early on was, you know, well, I want the homeless community to experience the same joy and comfort and quality that my customers are experiencing. And what was interesting about six months into the business, we started getting feedback from our giving partners that said, Hey, we, you know, we really like the colors, but do you have just black socks? And, you know, that got me thinking, I was like, okay, maybe the sock that we're producing for our customer is not addressing the same needs of somebody who's living on the streets. And so we kind of re-engineered our donation sock. We took the same product that we were selling and we added an antimicrobial treatment to prevent the yeah, growth that of would fungus, make sense. Yeah. reinforced yeah. seams for greater durability and darker colors to minimize visible wear. And so we've been donating the sock for years. And so we had this idea internally to say, what if we did our 10 million pair video campaign around our donation sock, right? And call it the greatest sock that was never sold. And, yeah. you know, the whole video is you can find it online is set up as like, this is a sock that we've, you know, made 10 million of, and yet we've never sold it. And, and it was all this concept around highlighting a product that you can't even buy. But it was yeah. like, it, it got such great response because it, you know, it, it's interesting and it kind of cut through the noise. You know, as you talk about the sock and you talk about microbial and all the things, I, 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 I hearken back to the old days of Vietnam War and my dad talking about the war and being, you know, over there. And the, he used to always say, uh, his son, don't ever forget, the, the weirdest thing he said was my socks. He said, I took care of my feet. He said, the war is won through their, your feet. And I just think back when I see, and by the way, when I see homeless people, I, I always think about, I got to go get the guy some shoes. I got to get him some socks. I got to get him something. And I do that a lot in New York. Uh, yeah. Not so much in South Dakota, because we just don't have that issue here in South Dakota. <laughs> you know, we, we've been practicing social distancing since 1889. So we just don't have that. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, I mentioned earlier that you are, you know, a serial entrepreneur. What is it that you like about being an entrepreneur? What, what fuels you, man? What ter besides, besides the good that you're doing, you know, like I go to bed every night hoping I'll hurry up and sleep so I can get going the next day. Yeah. And I got the sense that you're like that as well. What fuels totally. you that way? I mean, it's the, it's the premise of creating something that just didn't exist before and and getting validation from the marketplace that that thing that you you know randomly had an idea for where you know wherever that idea came from um is is something that uh other people in the world relate to right and, and so i find it as a as a way to kind of create connection with a number of people that i i've never met before um and and validating this kind of instinct or or intuition that i have around a problem or you know whatever uh i think that's what's exciting right it's the idea of like starting with this kernel of an idea 
building upon it, putting it out into the world and then going, I don't know, do people care about this? And then like when they do, you're like, holy shit, this is awesome. Like, you know, and then you get to build, you know, a, a tribe around you and, and customers and supporters and employees and people who show up to now, you know, who are now a part of the same thing that like you thought of scrolling through Facebook one day. Um, that's, I think, like what what I find so awesome about entrepreneurship is just like, it's this unlimited ability to create, right? Yeah. And and know, you know, outside of bound by the laws of physics, and even in, in some cases, right, you look at Elon Musk putting rockets into the, you know, uh, in, into the universe. Um, it, it's that just idea that you can like, create something that has never been created before. I just think that's so cool. Yeah. So, you know, during the pandemic, you guys grew by, I think, about 50 percent. And a lot of other businesses were down. We hate to see that. But a lot of businesses were up. Ours was up over last year, without question. What do you yeah. think is the what's the one number one marketing thing that's working for you? Um, I mean, I think it's helpful. Uh, I mean, it was certainly helpful for us, you know, when all the stores were closed, I mean, you mm. know, everything moved online. Um, you know, we had customers that had never shopped online ever before. And all of a sudden they need socks. They type into Google socks. They see our name, uh, going, Oh yeah, that's the, I saw them on TV or saw that Facebook ad, or I heard that podcast or whatever. Um, and now they're, they're becoming a customer of ours. Um, also, you know, with everybody stuck at home, people were investing in comfort, right? And that's so core to what we do. Um, but I also think, uh, uh, you know, going back to our mission, um, I, there was a very distinct moment I remember when, uh, and, and, and I really owe a lot of credit to to my co-founder, Randy, who, who really identified this. You know, it was like the second week of March, right? And everybody's like running around being like, what the, what the F is going on? Yeah, I don't right. know, you know, and I don't know where I'm going to get toilet paper. I don't know where, you know, is it safe to buy groceries, right? And yet we were all getting emails from brands being like, here's our new spring style or check out the new colors. And you're like, right. what? Like, yeah. it sounded oblivious. so tone deaf. So but, but they're yeah. like, I don't know, what do we do? Like, just send out yeah. the email that we already had scheduled, right? Like, you know, um, so I think what was awesome for us is is because we we have this kind of tool in our tool chest. You know, Randy was like, we're not sending out any emails about buying spring socks. Like who the hell is caring about socks right now? And so what we said is like, oh, we're not going to do any sales or promotional emails. We're just going to focus on our mission, right? And because we had built up this network of 3,500 giving partners and we have a dedicated five-person team internally at the organization um, that manages those relationships, um, we were getting a number of amazing companies like Brooklinen who said, hey, you know, we've got uh, you know, uh, bed linens, you know, is, do you have any partners that are in need of new bed linens? Cause obviously for sanitary reasons, um, we had uh, a cleaning company called clean cult who, you know, said, Hey, we obviously have soap, you know, how can we, you know, how can we help? And so we leveraged our partner relationships and our distribution network that we had created with our giving partners to get, needed items out to the homeless shelters uh, while everybody else was kind of like, what do we do? What do we do? And right. we talked to our customers about that. We said, instead of sending them a sales email, let's send them an email about the impact we're having in our community and how 
our corporate giving team is contacting hospitals to not sell socks to them, which they used to be a big customer, but give socks to them because we knew that the frontline medical workers were on their feet 18 you know, to, to 36 hours, you know, at, at a time, um, and didn't have time to go home and change. Um, and so it's this pivotal, you know, we, we just pivoted right? and, and said, let's, let's just focus on how we can help. Right. And be, and be human and be yeah, human. We were yeah. one of the lucky businesses that were, that was doing well. So we, it was our duty to get, to give back. I think when you're, when, you know, when, whenever anybody experiences great fortune, um, you know, it becomes, you know, their duty and their right to, to share that good fortune back. As a great quote says, when you get to the very top, don't forget to send the elevator back down for everybody else. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. Hey, we're, we're running out of, we're running out of time and I, I wish I could spend more time, but I want to get to the Q and a, and I'm going to ask my team members to come back, David, but I have one Last question. All right, you got a tattoo. Did Randy have to get one? No, nobody else in the organization has signed up for that. Uh, that that bet. <laughs> you got you got it. You got to you got to make that happen. I want to see you deliver that. They've got to get some tattoo. I can tell you yeah. where they need to put it. And for my yeah. team that's listening right now, I've told you that if you hit a certain sales number, we've negotiated that I'm buying a bison buffalo, uh, you know, mount. Uh, for the office, because that's what they said they wanted. So that's right. what we're going to get. Tattoos are not in my for my future. I can tell you <laughs> that right now. All right, David, what a pleasure. Good to have you here on our digital discussion on C-Suite Network. And of course, being a part of all business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. Tricia, Greg, I'm going to turn it over to you to our great, great members in the C-Suite Network and, and get to those questions, because I saw a ton of them come in. C-Suite Radio. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Uh, David, that was fantastic. And I have to say, there are a lot of requests for a C-suite sock and a C-suite tattoo for you, Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> the, socks, the socks, we're gonna, I'm going to talk to David about getting some socks with C-suite or, you know what, even future hero. I love those things. Or future C-suite executive, maybe for some yeah. of our kids. But we'll do that. Anyway, big Absolutely. fan, huge fan. Let me turn it over. I'll let you guys get to the questions. Thank you so much, David. The whole, I, this is our first time getting to meet and the team couldn't wait for me to meet you because I'm the general manager of our hero club, the alignment of mission values and delivering on that. Uh, it's just fantastic. And anytime we can celebrate that kind of success with the whole sense of duty and responsibility for what we need to be giving back is just absolutely fantastic. And there are so many, uh, so many questions. Um, I want to just, I want to dive into um, a question that Mark Boundy, one of our faculty leaders uh, gave, and it's all around that whole notion of focus. So he says, we've all seen leaders misdefine their businesses and then get crushed by a competitor who saw their business differently and changed the rules of the game. He wants to uh, share that, you know, in his experience, that failure is focusing inward what we do, what we sell, instead of what problem they're solving for. Do you agree or disagree with that? And how do you balance staying focused with staying vigilant for those unforeseen opportunities or threats that others see when they're looking at you? Yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't want to sit here and say that there's one way to do it. Um, you know, I think the the philosophy that we've subscribed to at Bombus um, is is more so focusing inward. Right? I, I'm I'm less. I found that in the past when I've worked at other organizations that focus too much on the competition, uh, that they end up becoming reactive all the time, right? And they say, "Oh, they're doing that, so we've got to do this, and they're doing this, so because we're not going to do that." Um, 
Whereas, you know, and, and I know Jeff Bezos is a big believer of, you know, not really thinking about competition, right? You put the blinders on and for us, we are our own competition, right? We set the benchmark for ourselves as to, you know, what is innovative, you know, what is, you know, the right thing to do, you know, what is the, you know, how do we, what's the strategic plan for us? Um, and I think the, you know, if you think too much about competition, uh, Again, you, you don't focus on doing what you think you need to do for the business. You focus on what you need to do to guard off people um, in other in other areas. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I just think that that's the philosophy that's worked for us. Uh, the uh, we've had a whole discussion about um, who the common enemy is, and for you, and I think anyone who's mission driven, time is our common enemy. Right. You can't yeah. go fast enough. You can't scale. Fast. And I see Kiana in the chat just put the infinite game. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Simon Sinek. And I'm a big believer of that. Right. It's like do what you need to to do to stay in business the longest. Right. It's not about trying to win tomorrow or win the next day. It's about, you know, just being you know, vigilant around, you know, setting your vision for what you want to accomplish as a company and going after that. And, and, you know, people are going to come at you in different things and you can react, you know, to it and, and, but, but not pivoting all the time to, to what, you know, everybody else is doing, I think is super smart. All right. I have, I'm going to rope in together two questions because we have so many of them. The first one is Evan Hackle. He wants to know when you give away socks, are they, are they the same quality socks or are they cheaper socks? And Tina Greenbaum wants to know where you manufacture your socks. And yeah, so, yeah. So uh, I don't know if Evan missed it before, but um, you know, we donate a specific donation product and actually, you know, going into t-shirts and underwear, we have donation t-shirts and donation underwear all start, off of the same platform, uh, you know, that we, of the, of the product that we sell, um, we alter it to meet the, uh, the, the means, uh, I see Evan says that I already answered it. So cool. Um, uh, as far as manufacturing, uh, we are a, a globally distributed, uh, supply chain organization. Uh, when we first started, we were primarily focused in Asia. Um, we are now in South America. We've just got some North America production. Uh, I would say we're still heavily in, in, in Asia. Um, it's where honestly the, the largest percentage of innovation in our product categories comes out of. Um, but, uh, you know, for, in the global, globally distributed world that we live in today, um, you know, I think you know, the pandemic probably shined a light on uh, the the susceptibility to any one country, uh, you know, being overly leveraged in any one country. Um, and so, you know, we've spent a lot of time thinking about a distributed supply chain. Uh, you know, but but really, you know, it's interesting for us, and this was from from day one. Uh, it was it was never really a factor of cost. Um, Socks have an incredibly high margin to begin with, um, you know, and they're, you know, about 98% of the production of, of a pair of socks is, uh, is done on a machine. Um, it's, there's really little manual labor involved at all. Um, so it's not a labor cost issue. Um, the, the more majority of the cost of goods sold that go into our product, um, is, is the physical cost of yarn, um, and so for us, it's always been about creating the best product. Um, you know, it's like, if you want to create a watch, you go to Switzerland. Um, you know, if you want to create great apparel, you go to China. C-Suite Radio. 
Another double-barreled question that I think fits together really nicely, David, is Steve Lashansky is another one of our faculty leaders in C-suite, and Aaron Avila is one of our executive leaders. And, and the questions that they have are, what is the most significant, tough decision you've had to make to grow the business? And then and then Aaron kind of built on that from the perspective of, you know, how have you gone through those tough decisions, staying true to your mission and, and the core company values that you stand for? Yeah, um, I'm going to answer the second question first, uh, because I think it's it, it tees up the, you know, the, the, the first question nicely. Um, one of the things that we did really early on, and, you know, we owe this, uh, we, we owe this really to a business coach that we had hired early on. Um, and there was four of us, four co-founders, we sat in a room. And he was like, guys, we need to write down core values and a mission statement and a vision statement. And we're like, oh, that's such like business school BS, right? Like it's four of us. Like we know what our core values are. We know what our mission is, right? Um, And what's interesting is, you know, he was like, trust me, let's just do it. Humor me. We wrote it down and they have come in so incredibly handy over the years and and they've evolved slightly, but for the most part, I'd say that the the essence of it has really stayed true, right? It's like focusing on a quality product, you know, hundred percent customer happiness, guaranteed people first culture, um, you know, uh, give back, you know, meaningfully, um, you know, think long-term, uh, you know, all of these things that, that, have carried us through and, and honestly have helped us make these hard decisions. Um, you know, there was a point where, uh, we had ordered a bunch of product, um, in, in our t-shirts and we had set to launch the product, I think in March, and we got all of our final production in like mid February. So like two to three weeks out before, before the launch. And, you know, there was a design feature that we had put into the product that the more I, I was wearing the product and the more that the, you know, the team was wearing it, I started to notice it and be like, mm, I don't think that's really great. And literally about four days before the launch. Now, this is like a company-wide effort, right? Marketing, creative, production, supply chain, warehouse. Like everybody had invested probably six months worth of work uh, into getting this product ready to launch. Um, And I walked in and I said, I don't think we can launch this product. I don't think it's right. I think this is going to be a big issue for us. You know, and you had people from finance being like, oh, this is going to cost us half a million bucks. You know, we already own the inventory. We can't do anything about it. And I just sat there and I was like, guys, you know, one of our core values is produce a high quality product. And I don't think that this meets that core value right now. And everybody sat there and they said, you know what? You're right. Um, and I think we are so much better off for making that decision. Uh, at the time it seemed wildly expensive and really hard. You know, everybody was so pot committed. Um, you know, but, but it's a good lesson to learn that, you know, as the owner and operator of a business, you know, nothing is too late. You know, if you feel like it's the wrong decision to try to remedy that decision, just because it's, happened or, you know, the train is never, you can always pull the train back into the station, um, or, or find ways to kind of rectify that. Um, so I think that's a good example. David Young has a question. Just, oh, I just moved up one second. There it is. Just a back of the envelope guess for Bombas. What percentage of the business success is attributable to the quality of the product and what percentage on the strength of its giving mission? 
yeah. Has the business landscape truly changed for good? Yeah, we, we get this question all the time. Uh, and it's something that we always survey our customers um, and, and kind of look at the data. And, and interestingly enough, you can't even bifurcate it. You can't say, oh, well, you know, 50% of the customers bought because of the mission and 50% bought because of the product. Um, they, you know, when, when we ask our customers about the reasons that they buy, the product and the mission are always number one and number two, and they, and they flip-flop um, depending on the, the, the certain customer, but they're always like, they're so close. And then the third, you know, the, the third attribute is, is much, much further, further down. Um, you know, and that's usually something like style or color or something like that. Um, and so it's, it, it re- I mean, in our world, it really has changed for good because, uh, we find that they are so intrinsically locked, um, that there are very few customers that, you know, purchase our product and don't care about the mission or purchase the mission and don't care about the product. Um, I think you really have to have both. If you're going to be a purpose-led company, um, both have to be able to kind of stand on their own, but, but, but work in tandem. So now I have a triple barrel question because we're running out of time. And I want Great, to let's go. Anything. Great, okay. So the whole notion of the giving partners, that was really exciting. And Larry Walters, one of our executive leaders, he raised that. How do you form 3,500 giving partner relationships? And are you looking, and Deb Cryer is one of our podcast hosts, she, she was asking about you know, are you looking at items specifically for women and children? You know, you know, we don't wake up any day lately without hearing how many children are coming across the border and so on. Um, yeah. And then Joyce, uh, Cordy, I love, you know, she's like, well, how do you address the real underlying problems of all of these things? So, so there's my three, my three, uh, my triple barreled question. Yeah, Giving partner right. network, your items specifically for children and women when you look at homelessness, and then how do you really contribute to the underlying problem of, of homelessness when you're committed to that mission? Yeah. So as far as giving partners, you know, when I started this business, I didn't know how to give socks away. Um, and then we had, and we didn't have any to give away at that time, but I knew that it was going to be something that one day we had to figure out, um, outside of me going into the streets of New York and handing them out, you know, one by one myself, uh, which I knew wasn't going to scale, uh, you know, if we were successful. So I Googled, I said, sock, you know, homeless giving partner or something like that. And I came across this one organization called Hannah socks, uh, based in Toledo, Ohio. And that was their mission was to deliver socks to the homeless community started with them. They were our first giving partner. And then I think, you know, being on Shark Tank, being on Good Morning America, being on the Today Show, being in the New York Times, being in the Wall Street, we started to get more press and, um, you know, and then our massive marketing budgets online. Um, We had customers discovering us who said, oh, I I volunteer at a homeless shelter. Can we get socks for them? Or I work at a homeless shelter or I once was homeless. You know, uh, can I get socks back to my my homeless shelter? and so we started to get inbound inquiries and, and to the point where we just now have this kind of online form uh, that, that, you know, recipients have to fill out and put their 501c3 data in. And, you know, then they say, do they serve women or children or men? Um, what sizes do they need? What time of year do they need them? What, what's the volume that they can ha- you know, handle in a storage facility? How many deliverers do they want a year? You know, a lot of stuff that we've learned over the years in, in, in interfacing with these people. Um, 
And so now, again, we have this five-person team internally that is solely dedicated to kind of the operations and logistics of distributing socks. Um, and we are constantly onboarding new giving partners because always, you know, we always want to make sure that we're, you know, serving, you know, equitably across the entire United States and to, you know, different groups uh, of, of people. Um, so we we design product for women in, in uh, now that we're in underwear, we've got all, you know, women's specific donation underwear. Um, we've got kids socks that unlike the adult socks are focused, the adult socks are focused on kind of darker colors. The kids actually like bright colors because they're typically distributed through schools and other programs where kids want to show that individuality of, I like pink, I like blue, or I want yellow. Um, so these are things that we've learned over the years. Um, and then the third question was... It's how you focus on, on, on solving the underlying problems. For yeah. The so this is, this is, is, is one that we still don't have an answer for. Um, and, and it does go back to, you know, what I had said with, with, with Jeff, when I started the interview, um, around focus, you know, a year ago I said, okay, let's do a, a, a vision and, and strategy session around our mission, right? Like, what do we want Bombas to, to stand for in the future? Um, and, you know, internally we said, okay, well, Bombas should open up homeless shelters. Bombas should go to Washington to, you know, advocate for legislation. Um, Bombas should, you know, focus on climate change because climate change is going to be the cause of homelessness in the future and all these things, uh, which are all super noble uh, ideas and causes. Um, and, and at at the end of the day, I think, you know, we're still a relatively small company despite our, our, our scale. Um, and, you know, it came back to like, okay, what are we good at? We're, we're good at producing product. We're good at distributing. We haven't solved, you know, we haven't ended this need for, for socks and, and, and other items in homeless shelters. Um, so if, if, if that's the thing we're good at, let's, let's stay diligent and focus on that. But, but what we uncovered is actually, through our mission, what we what we started to do was create awareness around the issues, you know, uh, solving homelessness. Um, we we now are we've kicked off in the last year. We've kicked off um, these uh, these talks that that our our head of giving are hosting. Uh, we just did one for for um, you know uh, Women's Awareness Month, uh, focusing on women women in homelessness. And you know, during Black Lives Matter, we focused on racial inequality and homelessness. Um, and so now we're starting to leverage our platform and our reach with over five and a half million customers um, to create, uh, again, advocacy and awareness for the issues, um, you know, facing this, this population, uh, while also understanding that through our donation efforts, I remember that one of the greatest moments I've had in this business was when I got a, a note from one of our giving partners that I'd never even heard of before. It's from one down in North Carolina. They said, Hey, you know, you've been donating socks to us for the last two years. As a result, we haven't had to spend $20,000 on purchasing socks ourselves. And we were able to send two kids from our, uh, our community to uh, college as a result of it. And so, you know, and, and I still to this day get, get goosebumps when I hear that um, because it is through our focus and it is through our diligence um, that we know we're kind of having that ripple on effect, um, you know, that, that goes beyond kind of what we're, we're focused on. But I think because we're focused on the thing that we're focused on, uh, it allows us to be really efficient, um, you know, at doing the thing that we do, which hopefully it then enables other people to focus on the things like advocacy and, and legislation and, you know, running homeless shelters, which we're, we're, we're not experts at. So we, we have no, no business today doing it 
if if we find ourselves in a position where we're generating hundreds of millions of dollars a year in EBITDA and, and free cash flow, maybe we'll start to get into that. But for the time being, I think we're doubling down on on the things that we know how to do well, which is create and distribute you know highly needed items to those in need. And I think that's a good place to wrap it up. It's always good to stop when you're getting goosebumps, right? Well, thank you so much for David. Uh, for those of you watching us on Facebook and LinkedIn, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget our next Digital Discussion Leadership Series on Wednesday, April 7th, 2 o'clock Eastern time with guest speaker Kara Golden. She's the CEO of Hint Incorporated, talking about, about becoming an accidental entrepreneur. David, he always wanted to be an entrepreneur when he grew up, and he became one. She was an accidental entrepreneur. Well, thank you, David, once again. Everyone else, stick around. We're going to talk a little bit about and what we discussed with David. David, you're, of course, invited to stick around as well. Uh, and wait, Trisha wants to say something to you before you go. We have to go. Hi, David. In the C-Suite Network, we are very proud of the fact that our principles are relevancy, reach, and reciprocity. So relevancy, we always want to have the conversations and share what's relevant for each other. Uh, we want to increase our reach for each other it, it, with the focus that you uh, emphasize today, of course. And then the reciprocity, that every time there's an ask, there's always a give. So, so two things. One, um, thank you so much for your give with us today, your time, your insight, your sharing. It's, it's incredibly powerful. Um, and we love that. Um, so our give to you, I know that you have the giving directory in all 50 states. So we're going to share that link. But what else can Wonderful. we give you? I mean, look, I mean, we're, we're a consumer brand. So, you know, we're still relatively new. Uh Tell your friends and family, you know, about us. Uh, we make great gifts. Um, you know, it's a gift that not only people enjoy giving, but it's a gift that gives back. Um, so if you enjoyed or felt inspired by what I, you know, shared with you today, um, you know, we are, we're a company that walks the walk. Um, so, you know, uh, I'd like to see us succeed uh, and, and hopefully be a model for, you know, the next generation of entrepreneurs um, to see that you can build a great, profitable, successful company while still giving back and doing good in the world at the same time. I absolutely love that. And and by the way, I'm putting my calendar link in the chat right now for you because obviously I have to come up with C-Suite socks and Hero Club uh, socks. <laughs> so, and I, I, you know, my fireside socks will last forever. But that's okay. I can always have more. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much, David. Greg, Thank oh, you guys. Appreciate it. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.